for tapes of end-time meetings, deliverance services, or Lake Hamilton Bible Campgrounds publication, Voices from His Excellent Glory, Declaring the Kingdom, writes Post Office Box 21516, Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas, zip 71903. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com. There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Frank Marzula, Jr. of Cooper City, Florida, is the minister. Some of you have never heard Frank, Jr. Uh, some of you may have been here in years past when his father was here for, for uh, several times to minister. And uh, uh, you came with him a couple of times, haven't you? Uh, haven't you? And uh, But this is the first time for Jill to come. And... Uh, We'll look forward to be back because if, in six camp meetings in a year, I need a lot of help, you know, to minister the word of the Lord. Uh, at uh, uh, well, there are actually eight camp meetings when you count the ladies' uh, conference and the minister Del- deliverance conference. There are eight, so that requires uh, quite a bit of, of help for me to have a ministry that I feel will bless the people and bring an anointing and a help for the people. And Frank uh, Jr. here has proven himself under his dad and now under some of the rest of us. Bless, bless you, Frank. Let me start out by, by saying how much I appreciate coming here and talking with you and sharing what God has given me. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you touch the lives of these people as, as you speak your word through me, Lord. I humble myself before you and I take my hat off, Lord, and I just drop it at your feet. And Lord, as uh, I do this, I ask for everyone here who has their hat on to take it off before you, Lord, so that they may be ministered to. In Jesus' precious name, amen. One day I was watching my wife. She was out on a patio. We have a, we live in South Florida, so we have a nice patio out there. And I'm watching my wife. She's got this broom and she's knocking these spider webs down. They seem to form a in the areas where we want her to walk. A few weeks later, she's out there doing it again. She's out there knocking the, the webs down again. But uh, this time, she's putting them in the swimming pool. I don't know if she was trying to teach them to swim or you know, what she was doing, but not, then I realized that she's out there and she's actually um, taking care of business. She had to kill them. At first, she was just knocking them down, or the webs down. And then she attacked the source of the problem, the spider itself. And a lot of us spend years in our lives, just knocking down the webs and not actually getting to the source of the problem, really addressing uh, the source of the problem of our webs. But we, we go through life suffering, physical and emotional and spiritual failure because we just knock down the webs. We don't actually get to the problem. And it's not the webs so much, it's the spider. Everybody knows that the, the demons are the, at the source of this and Satan's at the source of the demons. So we really have to get to the source of the problem. You know, suffering and failure, whatever spiritual or physical, um, it, it, it's not sin, but it, the, we, we pay for the consequence of these things. And uh, we, have to, we have to get rid of it. We, we try to deal with sin, but we really we have to get to the root of sin. Uh, John the Baptist said something very important. Uh, he, said, um, he said in Matthew 3.10, he said, The axe is laid at the root of the trees. We have to get to the root of the, of the problem. If sin is, uh, uh, 
If sin is the only uh, spider web, then well, what is a spider? If sin is only a spider web, what's a spider? You know, we have to look at that. How do we eliminate it? Well, deliverance from demons can start by knocking down the webs, but, but the ultimate goal is to get rid of the, the spider, isn't it? The ultimate goal is to get rid of the thing that caused the, the demons to come in, the demons to attack us. The cause of it is not the web. It's the spider reappearing in our lives. Some of us have been going around the tree, around and around and around and around and around, and we never really get to the real problem, the real source of it. To uncover, um, when, I, when I say this, I counsel a lot of people. They call me up on the phone. They, they you know, call me from all over the country. And I'm no genius. I'm not a brain. I don't know the answers to a lot of things. But, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals things at times. Counseling with people, it's my objective to uncover their true motives. You see, what makes you tick is more important than why you tick. What has caused you to tick the certain way? Some tick and some talk. But I tell you what, to uncover the true motives, which is at the root of the problem, is the goal of the deliverance ministry. Going to the root of the problem will solve the problem. When in deliverance, it's important to listen to the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people just go by rote. But it's very important to listen to the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to do uh, an exercise a little later on that causes you to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's important. Demons are called out. The Holy Spirit often reveals the source of the problems as they're being called out. The demons, if you will, like to brag on the way out. They like to manifest. They like to show off. And that's when we're supposed to identify. That's when you're supposed to ask the question, why? How come? How did this happen to me? How did this problem start? What was the motive behind what I'm doing? What I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? You always ask the question, why? You always go back to why when you're delivering. What caused this? Why is it happening? What is the problem? How did this start? And it's never be satisfied with just saying, okay, you demon, come out in Jesus' name and that's the end of it. That's not the end of it. Find out where it came from. And then don't be satisfied there. Find out where that one came from until you get to the root of it. And the light goes on and goes, oh, yes, now I know. See, that's when you really get set free. That's when you really get set free. So listen to the Holy Spirit. He may reveal to you a word he may reveal to you a picture. Tonight, when you're in deliverance, tonight as things are being called out of you, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you a snapshot, a moving picture, a word, a word of knowledge. He's going to reveal things to you. Right? Isn't that who He is? Isn't He our teacher? Isn't He our source of all revelation? The Holy Spirit. So, listen to Him as He reveals to you the things that He wants to, to talk to you about. And then call out those spirits which were called out with the original spirit that was being called out. And that's what we're going to do later on, like I said before. You know, I may be calling out a spirit of perfectionism. Does anybody know what perfectionism is? Yeah? Everything perfect, even your garbage in your garbage pail. Right? Does anybody like that? You've got a garage? I don't know. I've got a garage that's all sloppy. Right? But some people have a garage and even their junk is in order. You know? I have a car. Everybody have a car here? My car's got papers everywhere in them. I've got papers scattered everywhere. But then I get in somebody's car and there's not a 
bit of dust in their car and it's shiny. You know, they, there's an old saying, a, a clean car is a sick mind. You know? So, so but perfectionism, boy, if I'm pushing some buttons and I'm stepping on somebody's sacred cow tonight, you better, don't throw any tomatoes on me. <laughs> anyway, perfectionism, I may be calling out things and you may say, uh, perfectionism, I don't have that, but man, you know, how come I feel this way? How come I feel rejected? How come I feel... You see, perfectionism came in from somewhere. It's usually rejection that came, you know, where the source of the problem is. You want to be perfect before somebody. You want to have, your, you want to have everything right so somebody will, will say, well done. Good, good, good. Good boy, good girl. We all like um, to be, you know, affirmation, praise. We all, we all like that. And so, you know... You want to get to the source of the problem. So don't be satisfied with say, okay, perfection come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> You're coughing, coughing up. <laughs> coughing up. Where did it come in at? Ask the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal to you that your father or your mother or maybe one of your best friends or somebody in school made you feel like a, a dog, a dirt. Used you as a, a doormat. And you were rejected by it. So instead, you want to be perfect. And you start putting everything in order. And it's like an addiction to you. Everything's got to be in order. So you want to find out how these things came in. It's more important than just getting rid of them. Amen? Lay the axe to the root of the tree. And no amount of deliverance, by the way, can replace the central need in a person's life to accept the lordship of Jesus Christ and to, to live in the reality of that commitment. You see... A lot of times, people would like to, to have uh, Jesus as their Savior, but they don't want Him to live in the area that they were just delivered in. They don't want that. And a lot of times, I see people having to go around and around again, like I said before, the same tree over and over again. And the reason is that they're not trying to live out their commitment with Jesus. They just got delivered from something, and they don't want to commit to have Jesus living in that area. And so they battle the same ground over and over and over. And for permanent... Deliverance. A person must have Jesus rule and reign in the area where that demonic activity used to rule and reign. That's where you get your permanent deliverance. Otherwise, it's useless. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. And the Bible has a warning, by the way, if you'll turn with me. The Bible has a warning. In Matthew 12:43. most of you know this, but I really want you to, to read this with spiritual eyes tonight. You see, I... I don't like delivering people and then having them go back into the same areas again because I make them worse off. You see? I make them worse off. Matthew 12. I'll tell you. Matthew 12, verse 43. Matthew 12, verse 43. Jesus just rebuked the Pharisees that had challenged Him about a deliverance of a deaf and dumb spirit. And He told them that the Spirit of God had come upon them. Had come upon them. That was verse 28. And um, so let's read Matthew um, Matthew 12, verse 43. Now, when the unclean spirit goes out of a man that passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it, then it says, everybody says, it says, I will come back to my house from which I came. Notice the demon called it his house. And what did it do? It says, I will come back. The demon has a will. They have a will. They have emotions. They fear and tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. They have a will. I want to come back. Why in the world does a demon want to come back? Well, let's read on. I will return to my house from which I came. 
And when it comes back, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. You see, when a person receives deliverance, their house is swept clean. It's put in order. Deliverance sets the man free, and everything's placed in order now in the house. It used to be in disarray. It used to be messy. But then the finger of God, the Spirit of God, comes in and the person's set free and the house is clean. And then the demon comes back and says, I want to come back. And what does he do? He goes back and he notices first it's unoccupied. It's unoccupied. You see, this is why Jesus needs to be placed in that area where you just get delivered from. It's very important that you do this. You need to have Jesus ruling and reigning in that area. Otherwise, the demon comes back and says, there's nothing there. I can come in. Come on, guys. Let's go. Seven of you. Let's go. Come on. And the person's worse off than when he started. So, tonight, when you get delivered of something, I want you to commit to having Jesus Christ rule and reign in that area. That means something very important. That means that you must take a stand against the devil. Ephesians 6.10. It says, take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Three times in there it says, take a stand. Ephesians 6.10 through 19. Take a stand against these things or else the enemy can come back. Amen? Family, have Jesus Christ in that area. Have Him as Lord in that area when you get delivered. Deliverance is a gift, by the way, which helps men and women um, live an aggressive life and an effective life, a good, effective, and aggressive life as a Christian. It's called the children's bed, Matthew 15:27. Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 12:28, though, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So deliverance is the kingdom of God coming upon you. Amen? Deliverance is that. You know, every Christian should be operating in the ministry of deliverance. Every Christian should be operating in that. Mark 16:17 says that. Go cast out demons. Go do it. This is Jesus' instructions to us, by the way. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out demons. These are the signs that are going to follow a believer. If you don't believe me, who's a believer here? You're all believers? All right. Now, who's cast out demons before here? About half of you. All right? I don't mean to embarrass the other half of you, but I need to, I need to ask you, to, I'll show you something here. I'm going to take a little side road. All right? Let's go to Mark. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke. All right? Mark. Let's go to Mark 16 and go to verse 17. All right, let me, um, let me just say this. Let me uh, preempt this with something else. Let's back it up to Mark 16, correction, Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. That's the, um, the Great Commission, correct? Am I correct? When, that's the Great Commission, isn't that what Jesus did? He told us to go out and preach the gospel to the world. Right behind it, he said, and these signs will accompany those that believe. Mark, sec, uh, this is 17. Mark 16:17. These signs will accompany those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. So, if you're a believer, the first sign that's going to accompany you is you're going to cast out demons, right? Well, sometimes we get this all reversed, and we want to go out and preach the gospel. But I tell you what, you start casting demons out. It's the kingdom of God coming upon the world. 
You don't have to preach the gospel when the when the people start seeing that there's authority and a power behind your words, that demons actually fall out of people, cry out of people. There's no words to be spoken. You don't really have to say anything, but, you know, come out in the name of Jesus Christ, and that's a testimony in itself as people are getting set free. Now, the other half of you that didn't raise your hands, you have some homework assignment to do. And guess what that is? You need to learn the deliverance ministry. You need to learn how to cast demons out. You need to know your authority. That's right. Everybody raise your right hand. I deputize you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are now deliverance ministers. All right? You have authority. You have authority. Jesus Christ gave you authority to do this. This is His commission. These signs will accompany those that believe in My name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to talk to you about laying on of hands tonight, but it's also a very important thing to, to learn. Um, that ministry as well is very important. But the vessel must be cleaned first before you do this because the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet and whatever's in you, you minister out. So this is very important that you need to understand deliverance first. Get clean, get set free, and then go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You don't want to lay hands on sick and they get something worse. <laughs> so, anyway, let's move along here. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Right? That's what Jesus said. So, therefore, every Christian who's operating in the ministry that Jesus set forth here for us to do, you ought to know this. Wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes with you. Wherever you place the sole of your foot, the kingdom of God has come. Wherever you go, the Spirit of God is moving with you. Because the kingdom of God has come to wherever you place your foot. Amen? One time, I was working in a flea market many years ago. I used to, to um, a flea market, indoor flea markets, where you, it's an air-conditioned mini mall, and you, you, you roll your curtain up, and there's your displays, and you roll your curtain down at the end of the evening. I did this for many years. I was selling shoes in the flea market. In this uh, it was a very rough atmosphere. There were there was a carnival type people. They came in. They were they were like um, the real rough rough crowd, uh, mostly um, thieves and robbers. <laughs> and I was selling them shoes. You know, I had on my I had a marquee up, and it's you know I always had a, a Christian message on it. You must be born again. Our Jesus Christ is the only way and the truth and the life. You know, I'd have all these things in the marquee and I was preaching the gospel as I was selling shoes. And um, a lot of times I would be selling them to pimps. I would be selling them to um, prostitutes, to thieves. And one time this man came in. He had a stable of prostitutes. He was running through the market at the same time so that he could get the um, proceeds at the end of the day. His girls were working the men that were in the market. And uh, he... Um, he looked up at the marquee and he, he saw the, my, that I was a Christian. He says, you're a Christian? And I said, yeah. Are you a pimp? He says, yeah. And I said, Jesus loves you, man. And he just, you know, kind of looked at me kind of strange like, uh, like I was a monster. And uh, so we talked. You know, he ran his girls through the, the market and they did their thing. And um, we were talking. All the girls that he was running through the market, all the kids, he brought all the kids of those girls into, the, into my shop and he was, 
Would you shoo them up for me? Oh, man, yeah, sure. You know, you see, I believe in prayer cloths, right? <laughs> you know, well, sneakers are prayer cloths, man. <laughs> sure, because see, what I would do is before I'd sell the shoes, is I'd go to every shoe box and I'd lay hands on the shoes and I'd start praying over them. Lord, heal and deliver these people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Whoever comes in here to buy these shoes, Lord, to use these as prayer cloths, that they be delivered and set free in Jesus' name. You know? So, <laughs> sure, I'll sell you kids' shoes. And so I started, you know, shoeing the kids up. And as I've got their feet, you know what I'm doing? I'm praying for these kids. And so the pimp says, hey, would you shoe me up too? And I said, sure, kind of a seat. You know, what I'm doing is I'm praying for them. Praying for them. And we're talking about Jesus and we're, and we're going to... Uh, and and we're we're going on a journey, man. As we're talking on Jesus, we're going on a journey. And I bring him from point A to point B in the journey. And he comes in next week, and he comes in the following week, he comes in the next month, he comes in, and he's constantly in the market. And then finally, one day, he says, "Frank, would you pray for me? I want to, I want to accept Jesus as Savior." All right? This guy looked like Mr. T. Everybody know who Mr. T is? He's a, a muscle-bound big black guy, man. He was huge. He was huge. And he had a shaved head. He had gold dripping off of him. You know? And I said, sure. And he got down on his knees right there in the, in the shop and he's starting to cry and he's starting to weep. And I, 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 I started to say, you know, I said, send his prayer with him and he received Jesus Christ as Savior. And he stood up and he looked at me square in the eye. He says, you touched me, brother. You touched me. And we hugged. He says, would you come and visit me? I said, sure. What's your address? So he gave me his address, and I went out and bought a Bible the next day. And I took it over to his address. It was a whorehouse. And everything was in operation when I came. There was no doors on the, on the rooms. And I won't be graphic, but they were all in use. And um, I went to, the, went, to, went to it. I had my little girl with me and my little baby for protection. <laughs> and we went over there. And... Uh, Two big bodyguards says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I said, I've come to see L.A. I got a present for him. They said, okay. They spread and they went out and separated and they let me go in the door. I went in the door and looked down to each room, wished I hadn't. And I find L.A. And he's busy. He's trying out some new equipment. And I knock on the door jam. And he jumps up and he looks at me and he says, eyes big as saucers. He says, what are you doing here? I said, you asked me to come. What, 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 what do you want? What do you want? I said, Jesus loves you, man, and he wants to give you a present. Well, what's that? And I take a Bible out of a bag and I hand it to him. It was a good Bible, too. It wasn't a cheap Bible. New American Standard. It cost me 50 bucks back then, about 12 years ago. What? 20 years ago. About 20 years ago. Good one, seventy-five, maybe eighty dollars today. He looked at it. He, his mouth flew open. He says, "Thanks, man. Thanks." And he held it. That was the last time I saw L.A. in the flea market. That was the last time I ever saw him there. He never came through with a stable of girls anymore after that. He never showed up in the market. He never came through. I often wondered what happened to him. I was in church two years ago and. Somebody that still works the market said, you'll never guess what happened. I said, what happened? He says, L.A. found Jesus Christ as Savior. And he got married. He dropped out of the business. And he's, a, he's running. He's a pastor of a church. When 
You as Christians, wherever you go, wherever you place the sole of your foot, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has come. So, I'm not inclined to ask you to go to houses of prostitution, but whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to do, do it. Now watch the results. The kingdom of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Satan had a strategy to keep this man in sin and bondage. He wants to keep the world in sin and bondage too. He wants to render Christians ineffective in their ministries. And he does that too. He keeps us ineffective in our ministries because we're bound to demons. We're bound to things that we shouldn't be bound to. Nothing destroys the testimony of a Christian more than giving Jesus a black eye. Have you ever given Jesus a black eye? Sometimes it's because of our problems that we have that we've never solved, that we never got to the root of. It's the spider, man. It's the spider. So we're going to stop brushing away spider webs. We're going to get to the real problem. Turn with me. I want to show you something. Acts chapter 8. Let's read it. I want, to, I want you to see something with me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 is a passage that clearly shows us and leaves open the fact that some people who respond to the gospel... By the way, the gospel of kingdom, the kingdom of God, the good news of of Jesus that loves them and provides a way for them to to go to heaven. They receive Jesus Christ as Savior the only way and to the Father and they respond to that. They get baptized and and, uh, continue to follow the teachings of, of Jesus and still they need help. They need deliverance. Watch for this now. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. We'll start there. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds, with one accord, were given attention to what was said by, the, by Philip. Here's what happened. Look up here. They got scattered. Persecution came. I'll tell you why America is in such deep trouble. There's no persecution in it. You know, if something happens and we get persecuted, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start scattering and giving the gospel out going to give it out. And here's what happens. He was preaching Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were given attention to what he said by, by Philip. They heard and they saw the signs which he was performing. Here's an evangelist. He comes to town and he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with signs and wonders and everybody's listening to him. Verse 7, 4, In the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them. He was, he was commanding spirits out in the name of Jesus Christ. They were getting set free. It's one of the signs of believers, remember? Shouting with a loud voice. These demons were shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. What a ministry this guy had. Philip. People were getting saved, getting delivered, set free. And they were getting healed in the name of Jesus Christ. The city came out to them. The city of Samaria came out to them. So there was much rejoicing in the city. Verse 9. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from the smallest and the greatest, were given attention to him. Simon was a big shot. He was a magician. Saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. You see, they were mesmerized by Simon's magical arts. Verse 11. And they were given attention to him. Uh, because uh, for a long time he had astonished them with his magical arts, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, everybody say, they believed Philip, preaching the 
good news, the good news, come on, who is? Jesus Christ is the good news. Alright? Huh? They were being baptized. They were pre- preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were being baptized, men and women alike. Here, the city came out. Listen now. Here's what happened. Philip came out. He started preaching Jesus. He started casting demons out. He's, he was healing people. He was laying hands on the sick. They were recovering. He was healing people. And the city was in, in an uproar. Like, What's going on? Hey, it's Philip over there. Philip who? Philip the guy. You know, he came from Jerusalem. Philip, come on and see him. He's preaching the good news. What good news? The news of Jesus Christ. People are getting set free and healed. Oh my, let's go take a look at this. And they started getting baptized. Baptized. He continued on. Now listen to this. Men and women alike. Verse 13. Here we go. Here we go. Right to the heart of it. Even Simon. Everybody say Simon. Who was he? He was a sorcerer. Even Simon himself believed. Everybody say believed. Simon became a believer. Whoa! And after being baptized, Simon was a believer. The sorcerer became a believer. L.A. The pimp believed. Even Simon believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly astonished. He was following Philip around. He was following him around. Going from place to place, being constantly amazed and astonished after being baptized as a believer. And he believed. Simon did. Everybody say, Simon says, I believe. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any of them. Whoa! We have a whole city of people that believe now. And the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them. None of them. They had simply, continuing on in verse 16, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here we have a distinction between the baptism of the Holy Spirit falling on a believer when they just hear the Word, and when they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior, or there's something other that He had not fallen on them yet. Verse 17. This is going to open up a lot of questions at the end, which is good. I like that. Verse 17. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not necessarily the only way that it happens because I was in church a couple of weeks ago. And as the preacher was speaking, a woman screamed out and started receiving her tongues in Jesus' name. As she was giving utterance, she received the the Holy Spirit, just like Acts chapter 10 at Cornelius' house. So I've seen it both ways. I've seen the laying on of hands and I've seen it just hearing the Word and people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw, everybody say, Simon saw. We know that he says, but now he saw. Now Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands. He offered them money, saying, Give me this authority as well, so that everyone whom I lay my hands receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no portion or part in this matter for your heart. Everybody say heart. Was that his pumping heart? Was that the thing that flutters in his chest? No. You see, heart and soul are interchangeable in the the Bible. So his heart was actually his soul, his his will, his emotions, uh, his intellect. 
you have no part in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent. Everybody say repent. Uh, here we go. Repent of this wickedness of yours. Simon, the believer. Simon, the one who was baptized, had to repent of wickedness. That was his. And pray that the Lord, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you have, that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage, everybody say bondage, of iniquity. I want to tell you something about Christians. Simon was a Christian. He believed. Simon was a Christian. He got baptized. Simon followed the apostle around. But he was in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. He had sin in his life. doesn't say really what happened to him after this. We don't know what happened to Simon. But I tell you this, the Bible declares that he was a believer. And I have to go with that too, that there are believers here in this room that are in a gall of bitterness, are in bondage somewhere, just like Simon was. You know, if it happened to Simon, it happened to you or me too. And I tell you, there's times that I need to, to pull my car off the side of the road and get delivered of something, even today, even still. So, don't tolerate sin in your life. Don't tolerate a demon who's controlling you in any fashion. Simon still needed deliverance. And so do you and I. So, let me uh, continue on here. I'm taking a lot of side roads. Do I have a lot of time, Brother Glenn? 45 minutes from now. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11.3. I'm going to read to you from a um, um, different version, uh, New English version. So, it's a little bit plainer for you. It says, the, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm afraid that your minds will be corrupted, that you will be abandoned, that you will abandon your your full and pure devotion to Christ, in the same way that Eve was deceived by the snake's clever lies. For you gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you and preaches a different gospel, not the one we preached. And you accepted a spirit and a gospel completely different from the spirit and the gospel you received from us. Paul is saying, he warns us, that false teachers will come and preach another Jesus as secondly, Secondarily, he says this in, this in this word, that when you receive their teachings, you receive another spirit. And thirdly, they embrace a different gospel. Now, the New Age version. Everybody knows what the New Age version of the gospel is, don't you? All this Hinduism and all the stuff that they're teaching in schools nowadays. It's a blend of Eastern guruism and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's another gospel. It's another Jesus. And there's another um, gospel that is being preached too that maybe you can recognize too. It's like the Father Christmas version. You know, uh, telling people all they have to do is believe uh, and they will receive everything they ask for. You know, just believe and receive everything you ask for. And, and the best job and the best, uh, the best car, the, the, the house with the swimming pool and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And... All you have to do is just, you know, believe and everything is going to be fine. But the full biblical Jesus is never preached to them in a false gospel. The full biblical Jesus is never, is never, about, it's, it's never taught them. It's always about love and it's always about forgiveness and it's always about receiving blessings and, and, 
You, you, all you have to do is believe and all this good stuff is going to happen to you. That's the Father Christmas version. It's a false gospel. Because to balance this off, you need the full gospel. The full gospel is, their gospel never mentions, by the way, hell. It never mentions the fire that never goes out, the worm that never dies. It never calls for repentance or holiness. It never teaches a need for a life to continue in obedience and holiness. They preach Jesus only as Savior and not Jesus as judge. You want to, are you hearing me? Jesus said in Luke 6:46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Family, to call Jesus Lord without obeying Him is hypocrisy and provides no protection for the attacks of Satan. I want you to hear that again. If you are living outside of obeying Jesus Christ, His Word, that's, by the way, from cover to cover, because He is the Word from cover to cover. And you live outside of that. You open yourself for the attacks of Satan. There's no protection there. Luke 19. I want you to read this with me. Alright, we're gonna do a little homework tonight too. Luke 19, and we're gonna read from, uh, verse 11 to 27. A little bit of a version here. A little, little, I like reading the Bible to you a lot. I don't like giving you little short clips here. I like to get you the whole impact. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem and they supposed that the kingdom of God was about to appear immediately. You know, we, I've been hearing everybody talking around the table about the kingdom of God coming and rapture and all sorts of things happening. And I want to tell you about the rapture. We thought the rapture was going to happen years ago and it never happened. So 20 years ago and 20 years from now, probably, you know what I'm saying? The teaching that you shouldn't hold on to. You shouldn't hold on to the, the point of, hey, we've got to get ready. You should be ready right now. Right now, right this instant for the Lord to place His foot. On Mount Zion. You should be ready right now. Let me read on here. Right? They were supposed that the kingdom of God was, was going to appear immediately. And he said, A nobleman went to the distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then returned. Verse 13. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come. Uh, a mina, by the way, is... Uh, a mina, I believe, is five years' salary. He gave them ten Five years' salaries. Whoa! it's a lot of money. Fifteen and a half dollars, cross-reference. Well, it's not a lot of money then. <laughs> right? He gave him ten. Well, who knows what the inflation rate was back then. So, <laughs> But anyway, anyway, he gives, he gives him money to do this. Do business with this until I come uh, back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. So his servants didn't want I don't want this guy to reign over me. You ever, you ever go to work and you don't like your boss? <laughs> I don't want him to reign over me. But anyway, his citizens, the citizens of the noble, hated him and set a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. He gave them this money to go do business with, Right? And then he called these people back. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in very little thing. You are to be in a authority over ten cities. That's great news. I like that. 
The second came saying, Your mina, master, has made five minas. And he said to him also, You are to be over five cities. Another saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man, and you take up what you did not lay down, and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Ouch. Who wants to be called a worthless slave here when the master comes? I don't think any of you do. Did you uh, know what I am exact, that I am exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down, and reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, this is the gospel, by the way. This is the gospel you don't hear too much about Jesus, the judge. Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And he said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. Verse 26, I tell you that to everyone who has more, uh, has, more shall be given but uh, from the one who does not have, even that which he has, have, shall be taken away. But now we get down to the meat of it, okay? Here it is. But these enemies of mine, remember they didn't want to serve him? But these enemies of mine did not want me to reign over them. Bring them here and slay them in my presence. There is a reward for obedience and a removal of reward for being slack in obedience and then there's judgment for those who did not want Jesus to reign over them. And sometimes demons block us from allowing Jesus to reign over us. This is why deliverance is very important. This is why it's important for us to get set free. This passage alone should frighten the, the jeebers out of you. Amen? Deliverance from demons is the vacating of a, an area that, that demons influence. And it allows... Demons it allows Jesus to reign where those demons used to rule. And so we want to get clean of these things so that we won't find ourselves in a position that that worthless slave was in. We won't find ourselves in a position that things are taken from us and even slain in His presence. Oh boy, I tell you. I want you to turn to Ephesians 6. I uh, alluded to this a little earlier. I want to go over it with you again. Ephesians 6. How many have never been in deliverance here before? A couple. Okay. One, two, three, four. How many? All right. Raise your hands high. Don't be embarrassed. All right. A, a bunch. Yeah. How many have never been in deliverance before? Have never had any demons cast out of you? All right. I'm going to tell you something. It's a lot better than going to the dentist. You'll enjoy this. All right. You'll enjoy this. Here we go. Ephesians 6. 10 through 18. It's the armor of God. Everybody knows about the armor of God. But I want to tell you something about the armor of God. It's not something you can put on. All right? This is not something you can put on. Uh, it, it's something that you are inside. It's not on the outside of you. It's putting something on eternal. Internal. Not external. If the armor of God is something that's in place inside of you. The armor of God is the character of your inner man, basically. Who you are on the inside. And so it says, I want you, with that caveat, I want you to understand this. Finally, be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and in the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm. Everybody say stand. Stand firm. All right. Against the schemes of the devil, 
Right? He's got schemes. He's got battle plans on his desk for you. You know, you don't know you're in the middle of a scheme until you're in the middle of it. Right? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly or high places. Therefore, take up the full armor. Everybody say take up. All right, so first we have to stand firm. And next we have to take up. Everybody say stand firm. Take up. Stand firm. Take up. Okay, so there's things that we have to do. You see, there's things that we have to do because the devil has schemes. He's got plans. So here's what we do. We take up something and we stand firm. What do we take up? Verse um, 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist the evil day. Everybody say evil day. Okay, so here we go. We stand firm. Take up. Resist. Are you catching this? Yeah. Stand firm. Take up and resist. See what? The evil day. There's an evil day coming. Okay. And I tell you what, we had an evil day a couple of days back last week. We had to stand firm, take up, and resist. And having done everything to stand firm, here we go again, stand firm. And having everything, every, everything, and having done everything, stand firm, stand firm. Well, I tell you, he's trying to drive a, pro, a, a he's trying to drive this home to us. Paul is preaching that we should stand firm against something, a scheme of the devil, because there's an evil day. We have to take up something, the armor. And here we go. And I'm going to talk about the armor now. Having your, girders, your, girt, your loins girded with truth. And so you have to stand firm and take up truth. This has to be internal. So that you say the truth all the time. That you are living in the truth all the time. That this is truth to you. Because there's a day coming where you'll have to, to stand on this truth that's inside of you. Okay? Now, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on, your breast, on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, like I said before, a lot of Christians give Jesus a black eye. There's no righteousness in their life. So you want to start acting and speaking righteousness and doing righteousness. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, you have to use this as a... You have to understand that this word has to become like shoes to you. That wherever you go, you take this word. That your feet are shot in this. This word. And in addition, verse 16, in addition to, to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What, what, what's this, what is this shield of faith? Everybody thinks it's going to block something? No. The shield of faith doesn't block anything. You know why? You have to read this again. The shield of faith which you will be able to extinguish all the arrows of the evil one. These arrows are going to land. You're going to get stuck. The devil's going to stick you. He does. He's got schemes and he sticks you. But it's the shield of faith, your faith in Jesus Christ that extinguishes, that puts out the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's the, your faith that extinguishes what he is burning you with. Amen? All right. And then take up the helmet of salvation. Verse 17. Know that you 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 know that you're saved. That Jesus Christ's blood has saved you. 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we're, take up, we're supposed to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, by the way. This is not, <laughs> this is not your sword. This is the sword of the Holy Spirit. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is not something that you use to, to debate people with and slash them with because you've got a Scripture better than they've got. This is not your sword. This is the sword of the Holy Spirit. You know what it does? It cuts. It divides. It cuts through the marrow, the bone, right to the heart. And so, when you speak from the sword of the Spirit, you're speaking the living Word into people. You're not using it to cut people apart with. So never get, I say never, everybody say never. Never get in a, a debate using Scripture with another person because you're just cutting, you're trying to use your sword. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Let Him speak through you. And He'll tell you how to use His Word. How to apply it as a sword. You know, Jehovah Witnesses come to my door. They don't anymore. But when <laughs> they put a big X on the map of where my house is. When they come to the door, I say, Jesus loves you, but you're going to hell. <laughs> and that's the sword of the Spirit. You know, tell them about the flames of hell. Oh, there's no hell. Well, yeah, now I can use my sword. I can show them where. And so, um, but use the, the sword as the sword of the Spirit, not your sword. Uh, I'm really slowing down here. I've got a lot of time to go through. Um, verse um, verse 18 with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and that's where I really wanted to come to and everything else was just fluff here we are pray at all times in the spirit family this is, is the only time Paul instructs us to pray in the spirit it's not the only time by the way no he, he tells us in another place to, to pray in the spirit if you'll turn with the really quick there 1 Corinthians 14 15 1 Corinthians 14 15 what is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with my mind also. 1 Corinthians 14.15 Paul is instructing us to pray in the Spirit, pray in our mind also. Pray in our understanding of what we know as words and then pray in the words we don't know. Because when you speak in tongues, you don't speak a language you know. You speak in an unknown language and you speak to God. Amen? It also says that in 1 Corinthians 14. So, what Paul is saying is that we should be praying in the Spirit and singing in the Spirit. Praying with our understanding and praying in the Spirit that we don't understand. I don't understand what I said, do you? But in my heart, I knew what I was singing. I knew that I was saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I didn't understand what I was saying, did you? No. But I knew in my heart what I was saying. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, you use tongues as a weapon against the enemy. This is what this is. We're talking about the weapons of warfare in Ephesians 6. That's the last weapon. That's the last weapon. Let's read it again. All right? Verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray at all times in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's a capital S. That's not your human spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Pray at all times in the Holy Spirit. 
And so, when I'm driving down the road, I'm singing and praising the Lord in the Spirit. When I'm battling Satan, I'm praying in the Spirit. Amen? And uh, that's a lesson to learn. Hallelujah! <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 32.7 You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. There's a song of deliverance right there. Start singing in the Holy Spirit. Praising Him with songs. Make up a melody. Make up a tune. Everybody, can you make up a tune? Can you? Let's hear you. That's right. You see, when you do this, you are being surrounded with songs of deliverance. So that's the first thing that we do when we go into deliverance. Start singing in the Spirit. Start praying in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. When we sing and pray in the Spirit, it opens up the realm of the Holy Spirit so that your Spirit can speak directly to the Holy Spirit. You don't know what you're saying. You speak mysteries. You speak to God. But the Holy Spirit knows. He intercedes for us. So start. The start of deliverance is praying in the Spirit. The most important, the most important part of this is that you take a stand, pick up, resist. Alright? Take a stand, pick up, resist. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Doesn't it? A lot of people want to resist God and have the devil flee from them, but they don't want to submit to God. They want to resist the devil. Get this devil off of me! I'm tormented! But they don't want to submit to God. So it doesn't work unless you submit to God. You may have resisted the devil. I'm putting these cigarettes down for the last time. And then you go to the cabinet and open up a bottle. I'm sure glad there was nothing in there. <laughs> and you open up a bottle. You know, you don't, you haven't, you know, really resisted until you submitted. Right? So you have to submit. So praise God. Well, Let's see. Let me move along here. John 5, 6. Jesus finds a man with a disease and an affliction that caused him to be on a pallet. And um, you remember at the Pool of Bethesda? He's at the Pool of Bethesda. He's on this pallet, this guy. He's been there. He's been sick for, oh gosh, what, 38 years? He's been sick on this pallet. And of course, we know about the story about the stirring of the water and the angel comes and first one gets in the pool that's third, uh, that he's healed. And, 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 and Jesus says to him a very important question. Do you wish to be healed? Duh. I've been sitting here for all these 38 years. Why did Jesus ask him that question? Jesus knew the answer. That's why he knows all the answers. Even before we, he asked the question. It was a baited question. He knew the answer. Do you wish to be healed? Odd question. Jesus knows that sometimes people don't really wish to be healed. They enjoy being pushed around in a wheelchair and having all the attention. They enjoy people getting things for them and bringing them. They enjoy having dinners delivered to their doorstep. They enjoy the sympathy that they get. Now, I'm not saying this is true with everybody, but I'm saying that Jesus knew the heart of that man and he asked him a question. I've met people that I knew were taking advantage of my Christian charity. And so have you. They were pulling, on the, they were pulling the Christian card out and playing it. Oh, you're a Christian. You'll do this for me. And so 
they were playing on my sympathy or my Christianity. You know, and they do that to you too sometimes. And Jesus knew what was in the heart of this man. But he healed him anyway. And then he finds him in the temple a little later on and he asks him another profound question. He says another profound thing, by the way. John 5.14 Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Did you hear that? Jesus healed him. This man set free from the bondage that he was in. Whatever demonic illness he had. And I believe all illness is demonic. Because Jesus wants us all to, he wants us all to be healed and set free and delivered. And so he says, Behold, you have become well. Do, nothing, do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. And it's here that we see that Jesus ties sin with disease and sickness. You see this? And this man was told to go and sin no more. Go and take a stand. And I'm telling you tonight that when you are healed and set free tonight of something, that you are to go and take a stand that something worse doesn't befall you or happen to you. Amen? I know a man that was an alcoholic who came to me and he wanted me to minister to him and pray for him and I gave him some ministry and some deliverance and he came back again and again and again and again and he just kept on getting ministered and healed and I was finally he said something that really stopped me in my tracks. He says, as I'm ministering to him, he says, oh, I wish I could just be a happy drunk again. You know, he came to get set free of the bad things that were happening to him. He didn't really want those bad things to happen to him. But what was really in his heart is he wanted to sin and be happy about it. Oh, I wish I could sin and be happy again. He really didn't want to change. And some of you, I'm going to challenge you tonight. Do you wish to be healed? Do you wish to be healed? Then you need to take a stand and change. You have to want to change. You have to hate sin. Hate what God hates. Love what He loves. This man didn't hate it. Didn't hate what God hated. And obey God. Take a stand and submit. Now, when trying to recognize whether or not a person has an evil spirit or a demon, <coughs> excuse me, or a spirit is attached to you or to someone else, um, we must look at several things. The old nature is one of the things. The old self that refuses to stay dead, that vicious temper that remains untamed, that unwholesome or shameful appetite that you have. And uh, some of us do have some of those things because I'm looking at your bellies. <laughs> Mine too. And I'm not without sin here because I'm, I'm telling you I got deliverance today from Dr. Noel with the rest of the crowd. I didn't think I had something and all of a sudden something came out of me. So just, uh, just uh, remember that. And I've been in deliverance for a good number of years now. But things are still manifesting. Things are still coming out. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 or 50 years. Things are still there, buried deep. Things that maybe you did or your ancestors did or things that you opened doors to that you didn't realize happened. We're gonna, things were going to happen. But anyway, I want you to understand that. Thank you, Lord. Take a stand. Put on the full armor of God. Recognize that there's evil spirits attached when, you're, um, when we're ministering today. So look at yourself. Look at your old nature. See if it's, if it's still alive and if it refuses to stay dead. Look at things that um, vicious tempers. Somebody, you may have a temper. You may have a temper tangent. I used to battle with that a lot. And I used to have a temper. I'm Italian. Right. Where did my relatives come from? 
Calabrese, yeah. Calabrese, yeah, those are the Calabrese people are the, those are the hey, what did I do that for? You see, they they do this so much they're flat headed. You see? Yeah. What did I hey, what did I do that for? The stubborn, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so there could be unwholesome appetites or shameful appetites that still need uh, satisfaction. Uh, fears, anxieties continue in your life. I know people are some people are afraid to drive on the expressways. Some people are afraid of a lot of things. But I want you to understand that uh, whatever weakens you or controls you or compels you or drives you into sin, these things are, have at their root of it demons. It's demonic. And uh, that should be a strong indication of any of those things that are happening to you, that there's demons involved there. So if anything's driving you, controlling you, or, or compelling you to do something, I want my wife to start passing some pencils out and some pads out. I want everybody to take a pad and a pencil. And if you're sitting next to somebody that you know, I'd like you to get up and move. We're going to do something tonight, and then we're going to tear these papers up when we're done with it. All right? I really do want you to sit, get away from the person that you're sitting next to that you came with. All right? I don't want them peeking on your paper. All right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't want them peeking on your paper because it's really not any of their business. You all came here with your own demons. Don't look at somebody else's. Whenever I invite people to come for a deliverance session, I always say, bring your own demons. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Remember I was telling you about the demons when they were cast out? They said, this is my house. Let me go back to my house. Okay, family, settle down now. I got a gun over here. Uh, I think it's a sword. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. The ride is about to begin. Take pencil and piece of paper. All right. We're going to get to the root of what it is. And this is going to be a lesson, an exercise in self-deliverance. Remember I said that we want to get to the root of it. Thank you, Lord. When I was telling you before about the demons, they want to come back. They want to say, let me go back to my house. And they peer in. They look around, see everything's like, okay, and they can come back in. So, they have a will. They want to stay. But, and I don't want to struggle against your will. So, uh, this is why I'm going to ask you to repeat this particular way. We're going to do deliverance, uh, deliver, deliverance a different way. I'm going to ask you to command out of you. Are you ball believers here? Let's just repeat this. Lord Jesus, I believe You are the Son of the living God. I believe that You died on the cross for me. And the blood that You shed on the cross was for me. For my eternity. For my peace. For my healing. For my deliverance. For my salvation. All my sins are washed away by Your blood. All my diseases are washed away by Your blood. And I believe in You. I ask that You forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I repent. I turn away from them. Whatever I'm doing, I'm stopping today. And I'm turning my back on it. I'm forsaking it. Never to go back. 
I'm taking a stand against the demons, against the rulers, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And now I take authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And I bind every principality and power, every spiritual force of darkness, every spiritual force of wickedness in high places. And I take authority over the ruler of the demons, which you have given me authority over. And Luke 10.19, your word declares, Behold, I give you authority over um, scorpions and snakes and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall harm you. So therefore, I exercise my authority over every demonic force within me that influences me, that is on the outside of me, that is above me, in the heavenly places. And I bind them in Jesus' name. I command them as a believer to be bound and powerless in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now, who's the ruler of the demons? Satan. Satan is the ruler of the demons, isn't he? Right? I bind you, Satan. Beelzebub. Ruler of the demons. I command you to be bound and powerless over my life and over every demon that is on your assignment against my life. I bind you and I command you to be bound and powerless and all your forces to be bound and powerless in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, see, now you're believers and now you are exerting your authority. So now I'm going to ask you to say, whenever I do deliverance, you have authority. You're going to exert your authority against the will of the demons who want to come back and live in your house. All right? And now you're going to say... Um, and when I, this is why I command you to say this. I command out of me. You see that? So when we do deliverance, you're going to be commanding out of you. Right? In the name of Jesus Christ. Because you're a believer. And now you're going to cast demons out. For the first time in your life, you're going to cast demons out. And guess who you're going to start with? You. Right? So now you're going to learn how to fish. You don't need me to come here and teach you anymore. Unless Glenn wants me to come, Brother Glenn. But you're going to learn how to fish on your own so you don't have to have somebody fish for you, so to speak. You're going to learn how to do this on your own. And it's really easy because Jesus wouldn't want it to be hard. Some of the things are going to be calling out. You're going to say, I never did that. That's Hey, that's ridiculous. I never did that. Some of the things you're going to be saying to yourself, I never did that. Why should I... You know, command it out of me. Why should I obey this? Well, I tell you what, the sins passed down from generation to generation, uh, the sins and the iniquities fall on the children of the third and fourth generation to those that hate the Lord. You don't know what your fathers and ancestors did four generations ago. 
And, you know, a bastard curse can go for ten generations in Deuteronomy 23. An Amorite or, um, cannot enter in the, into the assembly of the Lord, also found in Deuteronomy 23. You don't want to know why? They hated the children of Israel. They didn't go out and do what they were supposed to do when they came out of the land of Egypt. They didn't bring them food and water when they came out into the desert. They knew the right thing to do and they didn't do it to the children of God. And so, and they even hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. What I'm asking you to do is I'm going to call things out and just obey, just do it, and get set free. Amen? 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 Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's things here, too. I, want to, I, I know I've got a few more minutes here um, before we get into this. And um, I want to talk to you about spirits that would, would cause you not to remember stuff at church. There was a woman who, um, as I was breaking the um, um, soul ties, or commanding soul ties to be broken, ungodly soul ties, that is, to be broken. And I was asking people to remember um, their sexual mates and cut and sever their sexual mates in Jesus' name. Uh, the soul tie attachment that they had with him. And this one woman was married to a man for five years and couldn't remember his name when I came to that point. As I came, I said, I want you to write down on the paper the, the, the name of the person who you had intimate relationships with and we're gonna, you know, that you've moved on in your life and, and you, you, this relationship was in sin and you had an attachment with that person, an ungodly soul tie with that person, um, was outside of the marriage bed and she couldn't, um, or, or this person was a, a, an influence in your life, a bad influence in your life, and you want to sever this, even if it was a, a, a husband, an ex-husband, and now you're married again to somebody else, or whatever, and so forth, you moved on with your life. And she couldn't remember her ex-husband's name. Isn't that amazing? She was married to this guy for five years and couldn't remember his name. You see? There are spirits here that are called blocking spirits. That will block you. Everybody... You lose your keys and you can't remember where to put them. You, you, you have something important that you have to do and you can't remember what it is you're supposed to do. There's spirits that are called blocking spirits. They block your mind from, from knowing the truth. Jesus wants you to know the truth. And their assignment is to block your mind. So these are blocking spirits. They block your mind. And she did get set free in the next session, though, because we... <laughs> you know? She remembered the guy's name and wrote it down. <laughs> Five minutes? Okay. Well, praise God. Here we go. No, we're going to start right now. Um, we're going to go into... Um, uh, first of all, I want to uh, say... Repeat with me. Lord Jesus, I bind the spirits that block my mind. And every spirit that came to me through a generational curse... Any curse of occultism, of false religion, of false doctrine, any demon that came to me from another gospel, another Jesus, and I received it. I command those demons to come out of me now in the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody take a deep breath and blow it out. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out. Out. Out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Out in the name of Jesus. Out in Jesus' name. 
out in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to, to sit and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to reveal to me where that came in at. How it came in. Or what came in. Now, sit silently and start writing as the Holy Spirit's revealing to you. Right? Some of you have um, written something. Some of you haven't. It's okay. Right? Now, hold that up. Say, Lord, you know what it is. And now I command this out of me in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, take a deep breath and blow it out. Go in the name of Jesus. Out. Out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Now I command out of me every spirit of fear, timidity, rejection that makes me feel excluded, forgotten, inadequate, left out, overlooked, unaccepted, unloved, cowardice, doormat, fear rejection, self-rejection. I command these out of me and every kindred spirit. Out of me now. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Let it go. Out in the name of Jesus. Go! Out! Out in Jesus' name. Out! Rejection. Out! That makes you feel excluded. Go in the name of Jesus. Makes you feel left out and overlooked. Go in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Now sit quietly before the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where this came in at. Reveal to me the source of this problem. That's right. Holy Spirit, He may be showing you a snapshot, a picture, a person's name, a face. They may have done something, said something to you where that came in. You understand how this works now? He's revealing to you the source of the problem. You're getting to the root of it. You're going to lay the axe to the root. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, now hold them up. Lord Jesus, You know what they are. And I know what they are. And now I command them out of me. In the name of Jesus Christ. Take a deep breath. Let them go. Out in the name of Jesus. Go! Out in Jesus' name. Get out! Out in the name of Jesus. Out. Every one of those. Go in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. That's right. You're learning self-deliverance tonight. You're learning how to deliver yourself. That's right. That's right. You're learning exactly how they came in and how to do it so that you will be an effective minister. Also, in the spirit of fear, I command out of me, fear of authority, distortion, helplessness, sensitivityness, fear of disapproval, grouchiness, self-awareness, self-conscious, self-pity, stuttering, whining. I command them, and all kindred spirits to come out of me now in Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Let them go. Out in the name of Jesus. Out, out. Go in Jesus' name. Fear, fear, disapproval, grouchiness. Go in Jesus' name. Out. Self-conscious, self-pity, stuttering, whining. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out. Out in Jesus' name. All right? As you're writing those down, listen, everyone that I hit, every one of them that hit, that hit a mark, write them down. Write them down. All right? Write them down. Every one of them. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me how these came in. And He's revealing it now. He's giving you a picture. He's giving you a snapshot. A little movie picture in your mind. He's showing you. Right? 
Thank you, Lord. Now hold them up. Say, Lord Jesus, you know who, who they are, and I know who they are now. I command them out of me, the source of these problems, to come out of me now. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Let them go. Out in the name of Jesus. Out. Go. Out. 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 Everyone who's attached to those, go in Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Now I command out of me every spirit of worry, agitation, anxiety, apprehension, distress, dread, uh, uh, nightmares, terror, vexing, insecurity, failure, false love, humiliation, inadequacy, ineptness, inferiority, loneliness, religious fanaticism, shyness, talkativeness, timidity, and undependability. I command them to leave me now. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Let them go. Out in the name of Jesus. Go! Out! Come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave in the name of Jesus. Get out. Out on dependability, talkativeness, shyness. Out every religious fanaticism spirit. Go in the name of Jesus. False love and failure. Go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Out in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Say, Lord Jesus. I now take a stand. And I commit myself to resist the evil day. I will not go back there again. I take a stand and turn. Repent. Metanoia. Repent. Turn. Alright? That's changing direction. Changing your mind. Metanoia. Greek word for that. I turn from these things in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask You, Lord, to come and live in the areas where I just got set free from. Where those demons were and had a piece of my house, I now give it to You, Lord Jesus, for You to come into it, for You to live in there, for You to reign in there. In Jesus' name. Never to go back. Never to slip or fall back into those things. Because You, Lord Jesus, now reign there in that place. Amen? This is the end of this message. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com There are many free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. Thank you.